Hi, I'm Peter Santoscano. I host Bubble and Squeak here on the Rock Candy Network. I tell personal, revealing stories. She whispered, Did you just masturbate? Because I felt a terrible presence of evil enter the... I make prank phone calls to the past. Heimbach. General Star, Elijah Heimbach speaking. How may I help? Into the future. <clears throat> because my boyfriend and I are just not having enough sex. Always a problem with the pop sex. You just have to listen to it. It's too hard to describe. Check out Bubble and Squeak wherever you listen to podcasts. This is Sacred Tension, the podcast about the discipline of asking questions. My name is Stephen Bradford Long. We are here on the Rock Candy Podcast Network. For more shows like this one, go to rockcandyrecordings.com. We have some amazing shows over there, including Eleventy Life and Bible Bash and Bubble and Squeak, and we are bringing on more shows as we speak. So uh, the network is growing. Definitely go check it out. Before we get started, I have just a few pieces of housekeeping. First, I am only able to do this show because of my Patreon supporters. So uh, if you want to see the show continue to come out every single week, if you want to see me continue to bring interesting conversations to the world, then please go to patreon.com forward slash Stephen Bradford Long. And for a dollar a month or five dollars a month, you will get an extra patrons only podcast called The House of Heretics, along with other rambling insights from me on my Patreon page. So if you want to support the show, please go do that. If you do not have the financial means to do that, I totally understand. You can share it with your friends, leave an iTunes review, and most of all, continue to enjoy it and listen to it every week because it is ultimately here for your enjoyment. Second, we are still continuing to grow the Rock Candy Podcast Network. And if you have a show or you are thinking of starting one, I would love to hear your pitch. I would love to hear what you're working on. Please send it to me at stephenbradfordlong.com and uh, maybe we can produce it. All right. Well, today I am very excited to welcome the YouTuber Vosh to the show. Howdy. <laughs> Vosh, it's so good to meet you. Uh, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. I just came off of a I guess what would be for me an early morning stream. Yes. And it was fun. We yelled about Sargon for a while. And then I had a not had a Nazi come on for like 10 minutes at the end there. Uh-huh. I um, heard a little bit of that. I heard just a, a, the very end of that when I was watching you frantically try to get off to do this interview. Yeah. So, so okay. So you brought up Nazis. Talk about some. Tell us some about what you do. Oh, okay. All right. Well, so about four or five months ago, I made a YouTube video that was uh, it, it, there was some minute level of production quality that went into it. And it was fun, and it got some attention because I was already somewhat well-known online. And from that point forward, uh, I kept making videos, and they got slightly more and more, and I started streaming on Twitch. And I went from, like, 20 viewers a stream up to, in a month, around 400, which is uh -huh. pretty good. Yeah. Pretty, pretty amazing, actually. And um, then I got banned from Twitch for being very aggressively anti-Israel in a um, in a in a typically <laughs> facetious fashion. It's a, it's obviously it's a sensitive topic. I should have been more cautious because if you engage in anti-Israeli criticism, it easily comes off as anti-Semitism, especially in this climate. But 
nonetheless, here's the thing. Here's the thing. As far as I'm concerned, if you aren't accused of anti-Semitism at least once, you have not truly earned your leftist bona fides. Oh, unquestionably, unquestionably, right up there there on my little on my little Boy Scouts satchel. Okay, right next to the tent making is because you can't because like realistically speaking, genocidal apartheid state. We all know it is. It absolutely is. And, And if it weren't because it's Israel. It, it would it would be unanimously condemned uh, across all fronts, and it it pretty much is, except for a few factions, you know, in, in the United States. Yeah, yeah, we're pretty much the only like global supporters. The Israel is like the largest American military base on the planet. So. Yeah, it is. Okay, well, okay. So moving on, I know that I'm kind of taking a risk having you on because you are a controversial figure, but you are an incredibly interesting figure to me in part because you are very far left and you appeal to a very specific crowd online and i think that you're doing great work and i guess you could call it de-radicalizing if you want to use that term or or bringing another perspective to people to to kids to young men to isolated people on the far right and you're you're kind of helping some of them see that not all leftists are trigger happy snowflakes. <laughs> <laughs> and, no, I mean that that really is it though. Like that's basically the marketing approach distilled to its finest point. Yeah, you you um, have like this 4chan humor and and you you really remind me of like you're you're basically like this online Nazi slaying guerrilla warlord of, or something. And it's not going to be for everyone. And I know that a lot of people listening to my show right now are not going to be your target audience. But, you know, this show is built on having interesting conversations, and, and you're just such an incredibly interesting figure. You know, I watched your your appearance on Killstream, Killstream being this disgusting... The worst of the worst. They're, this, they're basically subhuman. Yeah, the this disgusting far-right fashy stream, like basically Nazis. And the way you carried yourself, the way you just yes and everything of uh, and, and, you know, kind of stepping up to to the jokes and just throwing it right back and me and intermingling very good leftist points. I thought you did an amazing job and it was Thank really you. and I and it was really it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. I can imagine that that Rand guy, though. Holy shit. Yeah, he was. Oh god, he's be- he's beyond parody. So I can't I can't even make jokes about him because he feels like the prop God set up for the universe to make fun of. To, there's to, no, yes. there's no, yeah, yeah, yeah. The there's prop no God set up for uh, for the rest of us to make fun of of the far far right. Okay, so what? So you're a streamer. For people who don't know what that is, because I do have some baby boomer listeners, what what is it? What is that? What do you do? Yeah, so essentially, it works a little bit differently depending on the site, but essentially what it means is that you do a live broadcast from a camera or from a desktop, um, and you basically speak to a live audience and essentially create, in the case of YouTube at least, you create a YouTube video 
live. Yeah. And after you end the stream, that stream is done, and everything that you put together, the base recording element plus your commentary plus the chat laid on top and all the disparate elements that you put onto your stream, it becomes the YouTube video. Yeah, uh, it's a very frightening media medium for me because I occasionally say stuff that I can just never take back, and and so that's why I edit all of my shows. Like, And it makes me wish that I could just edit every single thing I say the way I edit a podcast. Like, uh let's let's uh just cut let's that quickly out. just control z that one yeah <laughs> i um I've, I've i've admired uh streaming culture for as long as i've been like internet happy i yeah. was on justin tv 10 years ago back before it became twitch tv and now i've yeah. to youtube streaming um i really like the authenticity of having to engage with your ideas live and mm -hmm. having to um i suppose there's it's very difficult to maintain a facade when you're engaging with difficult ideas yeah. and you're doing so in a live format it's very hard to keep that persona up whereas in a prepared video you have literally no idea what disparateness there is between the the video that's been produced and the people making it that intimacy really drove me to stream i i totally agree with that because there's like this disarming immediacy of it where there's when like say the medium that I work in, podcasting, there are so many layers between you, the creator, and the audience. So, so many filters, so many layers. Whereas with what you do, it's like all right there. And I think that there's something about that disarming quality of streaming that allows people to feel particularly safe not safe but but like it is a particularly honest medium and yeah, i think that's, that's really powerful that's why i do what i do i think because yeah. my main argument here is that literally anybody can do what i do mm. i'm i benefit obviously i'm a product of a, of a good environment and i am and i'm a good speaker but fundamentally like i want to show people that you can just wake up roll out of bed go online <laughs> yes. and crush every single reactionary talking point every time with minimal preparation except for the harder scientific and historical stuff but even then minor preparation and you're probably good that's why for my youtube videos yeah. i usually show up in like a tank top with unkempt hair i uh, don't edit out the times where i like swear or fuck up or drop something or have to like get up to pick something that i've thrown facetiously over to the other side of the room <laughs> because i, I want to show people that just being an idiot online, something we all like to do, doesn't have to be mutually exclusive to the kind of academic debunking of reactionary thought which needs to take place right now. Right. Okay, so you're doing something that I think the left really desperately needs. The left desperately needs people to actually take the arguments head on, and too often we resort to disgust, understandable disgust, absolutely legitimate disgust. Very much so, and yeah. I And I don't hold a grudge against anyone for whom disgust is their primary emotion towards white nationalists and neo-Nazis and whatnot. However, when that is our only response when the response ends at how dare you and not actually get into the conversation not actually get into the argument that's a problem and so i really think the left needs people like you who are willing to go into these places and have these kind of brutal conversations and you just decimate some of these people you it's it's really 
wonderful to watch. So you mentioned some. You you mentioned how you very feel like you very easily decimate these right wing talking points and arguments. What are the most common arguments that you come across in these online spaces? I think the the easiest, the the most common. Well, the the natural answer is of course that there are no arguments. It's just feelings. Mm. Um, but it's how they pull arguments from those feelings. Mm. The most common feeling I see expressed is disgust. This emotional vitriolic. This is usually yes. against trans people or yes. against um, uh, uh, dark-skinned people, and they pull from this a bunch of oughts. Because I am disgusted, we must not be able to get along. Because mm. I am disgusted, there must be something wrong. Almost all of their arguments stem fundamentally from a distrust of the other. This very base, uh, primal, tribalistic urge. Yeah, it's a very primitive part of the brain, and and you know that's actually what stood out the most to me in your interview or your conversation on the kill stream was how those guys were operating out of such an intensely deep sense of disgust of queer people of lgbt people and whatnot like that was right i was a i was a spiritual faggot apparently because the the ran (laughs) the the ran the guy called me a a fag and i was yes i'm very openly pan this isn't even and um and then and then he was like okay and then later they called they called me he called me a faggot again and i said we've been over this and he said well you're a spiritual faggot i remember that right it was a level of disgust that's very fascinating to me because i can't imagine hating a person that much yeah yeah it's fascinating. Nothing. Well, you know, and then my favorite part of that whole conversation actually was when was when he was like, I need details. Give me details of, of man sex. And you're like, do you want that? Yeah, I'll, get, I'll do it. I mean, I'll, I don't know why. Yeah. Is he like testing me? I have the D. De- I've got the videos on my phone. I mean, I'll. Well, I won't go that far, but you know. Yeah. Um, so, so there's this element. There, there's this sense that disgust like reaches spiritual heights, and it is this unexamined thing in the far right psyche. And really, a lot of what I see you doing and some other people doing, like contrapoints, is basically kind of forcing people to stop and reconsider that innate disgust response because i really think that disgust is like one of the most primal responses in human nature like it's one of the most primal responses in the human mind and we often take it for granted we assume that our disgust correlates to you know comports with reality and it just doesn't and so i what i see people like you doing is is helping people kind of stop and reconsider their disgust of the other. Um, Yeah, I think because there's a lot of, and the weird thing is there are a lot of ways in which we already acknowledge that disgust and moral oughts don't correspond. Like, for example, scat fetishism, okay? Most people would agree that scat, like, you know, being in the poop. (laughs) Most people would agree this For the uninitiated among my audience. (laughs) For those of you who don't share my kinks, most people would agree, myself included, that this is virulently disgusting and I will happily take shots at these people if it's ever socially, like if it ever comes up in conversation, which it doesn't very often in my communities. I don't know about everyone else's, but um, I don't think most people would agree that it should be illegal, Hmm. but, but they can't, they, they can accept that. 
these alt-right people, uh, for the most part, um, but they can't accept the same divide between virulent disgust and like policy or, or, or moral failing right. um, that they see in, in, in um, gender or sexual minorities and in, in immigrants or in any of the myriad things they find excuses to get upset over every single day. Right. So when you are confronted with someone who is expressing this kind of disgust, what do you do? I see. I This is something that I think a lot of people fuck up on on the left. Yeah. You can't moralize empathy and you can't change um, axiomatic values. Mm. Like, for instance, mine being put very simply to maximize well-being for sentient creatures. It's a fairly standard one most people agree with. In fact, right. I would go so far as to say almost all do. There are except like very religious people might think like venerating God might be above that. And some people think tradition or bloodline. That would be like a Nazi take. But for the most mm. part, we want to maximize well-being. So my arguments then aren't like, hey, you need to change your values because there are sincere Nazis out there like Nicholas Fuentes, for example, who will say in his streams that if he encounters science that disagrees with the outcomes he believes, he'll call it Jewish science and he won't accept it. He knows he's being irrational because rationality isn't important to him. Right. What I can do is for the people who aren't that far gone, the people who do believe that in some twisted way, ethno states or hating feminism will bring about a more equal world, I can show them that they're being hypocritical. That's all I can do. I can't make them better people. I can't change their values. But I can show them how their values, if they believe in what I believe, which most people do, are not being supported by the policy positions they're taking on major social issues. That's really interesting. So you aren't appealing to empathy. You aren't appealing to many of the major talking points because, frankly, they don't care. You know, like, frankly, they don't care about empathy but what they do care about, maybe, if I'm reading you correctly, is intellectual consistency. Yeah, because that's that's their straw man. They'll, that's what they believe. They believe the world is full of cruel, hard truths. Like mm. black yes. people are less intelligent than white people. Like men are better than women. And some and the world would be best if we acknowledge these truths and we're responsible in dealing with them. But some people, the crazy leftists, are emotionally screeching. You have to be empathy. You have to, or have to be empathetic. You have to be nice to people. And they think that this is a way of emotionally diffusing the truth of the world. Where I say, no, that is not the case. The empathy argument is almost secondary. In reality, your facts are wrong. Your exactly. assertions about the world are empirically incorrect. Empathy isn't necessary to demonstrate why you're wrong. Exactly. You know, you bring up a really interesting point that I've actually been thinking about quite a bit, which is, you know, I, I wrote an article recently called My Complicated Feelings About Sam Harris, where I, I talk some about this and, you know, how for people who don't know and for those of you who are sick and tired of me talking about Harris, I'm so sorry. Uh, but he, you know, he had Charles Murray of the bell curve infamy on his show and basically promoted it and said, you know, this is undisputable science. And I and I wrote all about this. And and when when a controversy like this comes up, it is often construed as these are facts and the left just can't handle the facts and the left just needs to accept the facts and the, we're being trigger happy. We're being, you know, triggered by facts. And and there are two insights that I glean from this. First of all, that that science and reason are brands and not practices. 
of the right, that they are, that it's posturing, it is all posturing, that this open exchange of ideas, the freedom of the, the free exchange of the market of ideas, willingness to debate, willingness to, you know, reason, it's, it is marketing and branding, but not praxis. And second, I disagree with the facts. The reason why I personally object to what Sam Harris says about race is because it is scientifically wrong. I have never in my life, for instance, and the, and they take this too far sometimes. Well, always. Um, there are reactionaries who will say, like, there are leftists who don't believe that men are stronger than women on average, or some nonsense like that. Where I have, in I think, in the entirety of my, of course, they're referring to cis men and cis women. Right. Um, because that's their language. But uh, I think I have, in the entirety of my life, met exactly one person who did not believe that cisgender men were on average stronger than cisgender women. Yeah, exactly. Women, and they were made fun of by everyone else in that community. There's nothing wrong with empirical truth. And there's a little bit of natural inequality in the world. A little bit. But that natural inequality is then expounded upon into articles and books and mountains of propaganda meant to yes. reinforce a preeminent social structure. On the right, the ideas, you mean. Yeah, on the, oh, yeah, oh, yes. unquestionably. Yes. Um, like everything that we know about race today is a product of justifying the relationship between Africans and white Europeans post-transatlantic uh, slave trade. It, and, and following that, after the moral, the moralistic Bible-thumping argument for why white people had dominion over black people began to fall to the wayside we had scientific racism rise with darwin even in charles murray's fucking book which i have read there is data in there which is either inaccurately compiled yes. or which expanded to this day becomes uh, contrary to his initial point to, to speak specifically on that i remember there's a particular st uh, study that he goes on about in his book about how the addition of resources into a, a traditionally disadvantaged community like a black community didn't lead to an increase in performance in education and they it was a longer study where they went for a short period of time and it seemed like there was an initial jump in its effectiveness but then it tapered off but then that's ended in the 90s if we look at the exact same data set continued to today it arced back up again yep. and those people are now basically on par with white people of similar economic exactly. circumstances exactly yeah you and know no no it's it's fascinating and you know the most incredible thing i don't know if you followed the whole sam harris ezra klein fiasco oh, no, i I did. Oh my fun. God. Oh man. You should, you should do a, a stream about that. I mean, that's old news now. That's ancient history now for the internet, but it, it would be interesting to hear your take on it. But you know, there's that moment when, when Ezra Klein is trying to contextualize why we do see these IQ gaps in America. And like, you know, there's there's generational racism and abuse and how that creates the the causes of, you know, and how it how that how that creates systemic oppression, which then affects the IQs of certain marginalized groups. It's pretty basic stuff. And Sam Harris legit said that the science does not matter. He he said no, 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 no. He did not. He said the history is irrelevant. The, the history does not matter. The data is just the data and the history that might be girding that data 
is irrelevant to him. Um, yeah, that, that I, was I just mean, the this, most astonishing part of that that whole fiasco. This this is about the level of intellectual consistency I would expect from somebody who started art as like a new atheist critic of Islam, who then later corroborated with Christian conservatives yes. to promote an anti-Muslim. Like, yes. this is you have to be. We must be very. Listen, as you said perfectly, science and reason. These things are brands, not practices for the right. Exactly. The, um, anybody who makes the claim. Ah, yes, I am very rational and logical and using rational logic. I will deduce that ah, the skull shape is you must be red very flag. skeptical of these red people. Red flag. Because the, again, it's very much like being a good person. You show, you do not tell. Anyone who uh, uh, promotes the uh, the skepticism and the wisdom of science without being able to follow it through in practice is wearing it as a cloak to justify views that cannot be justified scientifically. Or apply it to themselves, you know, and that's that's the thing that I get the most frustrated with. Science tells us just how irrational we are and just how prone to cognitive bias and error we are. And Exactly, like with data collection, there are a thousand ways. I studied sociology. Yes. There are a million ways you have to be cognizant of your personal biases when exactly. selecting uh, your data range, selecting the sample size, where are you going to sample them, how are you going to sample them, how do you lead your questions, in what order are the questions placed, what are the questions leading towards, there, and, then, and then you begin the data interpretation. There are a million ways in which bias can affect our, but they don't care. In yes. the immortal words of Lauren Souther, um, data is just the plural of anecdote, she said, saying that after talking to a dozen or so people in Europe, she decided that everyone there hated the Muslim immigrants. Th this this adoption of and simultaneous complete rejection of science and rational thought is one of the most dangerous things happening to public discourse. And yeah. that's why when I'm arguing with right-leading people, I'm so keen to call them what they love so much, triggered snowflakes. Yes. But they're not rational, and they hate being called anything other than rational. And yep. I want to point it out at every chance that I get. Absolutely. You know, there was just a great article uh, by Nathan Robinson on Current Affairs about Steven Pinker and how, you know, Pinker is, is one of the less offensive people on the right. And I do think that he is often a kind of a figure of the right. But he you know, Nathan Robinson points out how, you know, people on the right are so quick to call uh, to, to say that leftists are, you know, prone to hyperbole. And then in the very next sentence, they say that we are Stalinists for, you know, using gender pronouns. Islam and, is <laughs> destroying the West. And exactly. There's no place for white people to live completely anymore. Completely unselfconsciously, completely unironically, unselfconsciously. And it is fucking hilarious to me. So you mentioned. They, yeah, go they on. They know what they're doing. They know what they're doing too. Yes. I, I foundationally reject this idea that reactionary like uh, uh, demagogues are just kind of dumb people who are just saying what they've been told. Because no. you, there are people like that, like like Trump, for example. I think we all generally agree that Trump is not the brightest, or or at least oh, isn't yeah. now. But I think these people, like Thunderfoot, like Sargon of Akkad, like Tim Pool, like Dave Rubin, I foundationally reject the idea that these people don't know what they're doing. And I, I think I agree. we should regard them for what they are. They're crypto fascists who are using the 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 guise of sort of um a liberal abject love of open discussion to willfully promote far-right talking points and i think they should be treated with the contempt that title would uh would, would merit yeah i agree they are completely craven so you mentioned you you mentioned um jesus christ i just lost my train of thought oh so you so you mentioned I'm here for it. <laughs> so you mentioned pointing out people's hypocrisy you mentioned not not appealing to empathy when talking to people on the far right and you mentioned how disgust kind of girds everything underlies everything 
everything that they do. Is there anything other than disgust that you often run into in, in debating these people? Yeah, I think it's, it's, a very, it's a very juvenile desire to be able to live free of criticism. Yeah. This is, yes. this is I, I think, this is, this is the core appeal that I try to get at. Disgust is very, very difficult to remove. If a person is just grossed out by trans people, there are probably a thousand empirically wrong things that they associate with that disgust. But the emotional reaction, those are just justifications. The emotional reaction is very difficult to get rid of. I yeah. can't do that rhetorically, at least not, not in an afternoon. Um, but what I can do, I'm a living example to that to, to many people, many of them being disaffected, lonely, young white dudes in the West, that you can be a left-leaning person, not just left-leaning. I mean, I'm pretty far left. And I can be radically edgy. I argue constantly with my audience, with people who critique me online. I'm irreverent. I use, and I understand this is contentious, but I've even gone up to bat for occasionally using racial slurs in contextually appropriate ways. I mean, I, I in every way, shape, and form, I represent the the epitome of I guess the freedom the the ability to act in spite of criticism that they look and admire in right leaning figures except I do it without being a fucking Nazi exactly and I, think, and I think they crave that because they feel like if you're a leftist you have to be really like careful and walk on eggshells and everyone gets offended really easily and because that lifestyle is an obstacle to them living life in the way they want to they will turn towards any political ideology that claims to be able to offer an alternative right you know i had this really just going into some personal history here so i left the internet in 2014 because of my mental health where i had like a full blown psychotic break and so i i just had to leave for like two or three years and then I came back in 2016 and I felt like leftist circles online had completely changed. The 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 atmosphere had become much more vicious, especially Gamergate on, fucking ruined us. Yeah, Gamergate ruined everything. And, the, you know, the climate just became much more vicious. And, you know, I here's the thing. I'm I'm a southern mountain boy. I was raised in an ultra conservative setting. And if it weren't for being gay and coming out of the closet and finding Finding you know queer circles, I would be probably a Trump guy or an or an alt right guy right now. Like for sure, I would be some douchebag libertarian, and I was a douchebag libertarian through college when I was trying to be straight and when I was on the verge of marrying a girl. Like, and then if it weren't for coming face to face with my own sexual minority status and confronting my own disgust towards myself, if it weren't for that, I would not be where I am today. But that is to say that I don't that I didn't swim in those waters and said some stupid shit <laughs> you know yeah, and so I am I, I just want to say I'm very fortunate to have been born into circumstances where I was never made to feel ashamed or disgusted uh, about any part of me I'm good. just very lucky in that respect yeah absolutely yeah you are very very lucky and and so you know when I confronted all that I I was forced to reconsider my views on just about everything but then occasionally I would still say stupid stuff online because I didn't understand trans people or I didn't under and granted it was stupid it was shitty and but the dogpiling and villainizing that took place was far out of proportion and was like kind of traumatizing almost <laughs> I'm telling you, it's the PC authoritarian left, the the PC cancel culture leftists. They're coming for you. Yeah, they are. I'm and kidding. And 
to some extent. To I, some I, extent. I'm, I'm not sure if I'm kidding, actually. Well, I'm not okay, sure here's, if I'm kidding. here's the thing. Here's here's the sad truth is there it is a problem, but the good news is that it is not nearly as big a problem as the far right wants to make it out to be. Oh, unquestionably. Yeah, unquestionably. Can I, can I really quickly address a sort of a conflation I've noticed in leftist communities? Yes. The um but in in regards, I think, to the conflation of leftist circles, there are two things that a politically oriented space can be. And they can be a space for advocacy and they can be a space um, uh, for comfort. Yes. Uh, so I guess intellectual discourse or safe spaces. And I feel like the two, the right and the left took two very different outlooks on how they should organize their political spaces. Mm. On Reddit, for example, back during Gamergate, a lot of the big right-leaning subs, like Kotaku in Action, which became like the Gamergate subreddit, um, they weren't oriented around making their users comfortable. People argued in there all the time. They were vicious to each other, but they their viciousness towards one another was superseded by their overwhelming hatred and advocacy against feminism, cultural Marxism, PC left, whatever, whatever. Whereas in the predominant left-leaning subreddits, they recoiled inward. They grew more insular. They grew more paranoid. They grew more close and defensive of their vulnerable communities. And I understand why that happened, because the right's vulnerable communities are gamers, and the left's vulnerable communities are fucking trans people and uh, uh, gender and sexual minorities and people of targeted racial minorities and religious minorities. So it makes sense that we would have to be more careful about the safety of our constituency. Right. They're, they're more existentially fragile. Right. They're exactly. more existentially fragile than white cis gamers. But we went too fucking far. Yeah. Most of the discussion spaces for the left turned into safe spaces. People went inwards rather than out. We stopped engaging in advocacy. We gave them YouTube. People didn't start making lefty um, YouTube videos until 2016. I that know. was like two or three years where they had uncontested supremacy over people's watch feeds. It got worse and worse and worse. And only after the Trump election, I think, did people wake up and realize that this problem wasn't going to go away with snarky comments made in Twitter feeds for like your uh, for, for follower counts that are exclusively insularly like um, supporting one another and not engaging with the outside world. It's very frustrating. We need soldiers. We need strong, charismatic, open-minded, open-hearted people who don't mind getting their hands dirty, going out there and doing real advocacy. Because if we don't do that, the Nazis are going to get to those kids first. And they have been. And they are. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, I think a good argument can be made that PewDiePie is radicalizing like an entire generation of kids. Yeah, easily. <laughs> easily. And and I mean, a okay, so a lot of my listeners, I have a lot of older listeners, I, you know, I have a very broad spectrum of generation listens to this show. And for people who who might not understand this, PewDiePie has how many millions of, of subscribers? I Every, think, hold on, I think he's a bit above 90 now. 90 million. 90 million subscribers, most of them kids, a lot of kids ages like 7 to 20. 96. 96 million. Yeah, 96 million subscribers, most of them kids, all right? And this is the guy who who flirts with Nazi talking points and he flirts with, and he promotes figures like Peterson and he, and he promotes far right Nazi ideologues. Okay. So I, I often hear in leftist circles, it is not my job to educate, to educate, right. To it's educate your job people. to educate yourself. It is your job to educate yourself. <sighs> Technically true. And here's the thing. If you are, if you are, 
in a in a place of recovering, you know, especially for queer folk, if you're in a place of recovering from religious trauma, like deal with that shit first. However, I really believe, and, and this is one thing that fuels what I do, I really believe that our, how do I want to say this? I really believe that the future is predicated on conversion. And if we don't, and if we don't convert people, <laughs> then then there's no hope. And if we don't go out and engage people where they are, then the left just has no hope. And so in a way, it is our job to educate. Yeah, this is this is this is just I mean, I, like, I'm sorry. And I know this is like a boomer talking point, but life really isn't fair. There was never an end of history. There was never a point of comfort. We have, as leftists, always exist on the precipice of existential oblivion. And the only way, especially now that the left doesn't just mean like anarchists and unionists, now the left encompasses gender, sexual minorities, racial minorities, so on and so forth. And now there's even more pins of intersectional oppression sort of stamping on us. And if we want any shot whatsoever at making it into the next century, we cannot just capitulate the entirety of the the triggering, the microaggressing, the, uh, the I can't even internet to reactionaries. It's like, this isn't a, I don't even, I, I sympathize for people who are not personally in a place where they feel comfortable doing Me this too. i understand that i really do Me too. and i wouldn't advocate those people go out there and and engage in advocacy that could be dangerous or threatening for them but i know goddamn well there are thousands of people who could be who aren't yeah and i'm really sick of that shit i'm really sick every single time i make a youtube video for example and uh, whatever views, 10, 15, 20,000 people. And I look in the comments, the comments are rife with people who agree with me. If every single one of those people went out and did one thing, a single thing. Mm, yeah. This is very this is very dumb grassroots logic. Oh, if only everyone who watched this video went out and picked up a piece of trash letter to be. This is dumb. And I know I'm engaging in intellectually reductionist arguments right now. But it's <laughs> frustrating to me because I know if you make if you're a right-leaning person and you make a video shitting on, say, um, uh, Anita Sarkeesian. Anita Sarkeesian is going to wake up tomorrow with an inbox full of hate mail. Okay. If yeah. I make a video shitting on someone, that person's not gonna wake up with hate mail. And um <clears throat> sorry, not that I'm advocating we threaten or dox the people we disagree with <laughs> i would never do that but it would be nice if we were a little more active if we were a bit making... more proactive i i 100 yeah, agree with bit. that yeah i i completely agree with that the right fucking circle the rat the the wagons like they line the fuck up to protect their own and they 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 have internal disagreements, but I've been astonished by, like, say, for example, the Protestant Catholic conservative coalition that is formed against LGBT rights. Ancient enemies, age old enemies coming together to because they're both conservatives, you know, shit like that, whereas we can't even get along on Twitter. <laughs> Nicholas, Nicholas Fuentes the the little youtube nazi is a catholic and he stands the kkk who lynched catholic the there's a there's a here. I, I don't know if he wants me to give his name out because this is still sensitive information. But there is a former far right figure on YouTube um, uh -huh. who I had the privilege of speaking with recently. And he said that it's well known within their circles. You never go right. You never target right. No matter yeah, what, under exactly. any circumstances, you never criticize somebody for being more conservative, more reactionary, more xenophobic than you. Never. Or you lose the support of everyone to the right of you. Yeah. Yeah. And and so they circle the wagon 
Dragons. And this isn't to say that I think that we should never criticize the left. I mean, that's what we're doing here. We are definitely criticizing the left. <laughs> Plenty of people criticize me. Jesus Christ. Yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think we should criticize the left. However, I don't know. I, I just wish that, you know, the, the metaphor that it often reminds me of is like, you know, all the different houses in Westeros fighting each other and killing each other while the while world... the, the night, the, <laughs> the eternal frost, the, yeah, the, the night winter. king, the winter, you know, the the White Walkers are coming to destroy them. I all. say having, I say having abridged its season four and not seen anything since. Exactly. Um, yeah. Of course, keep I've been it spoiled that way. for everything. Keep so, it that way. Yeah. Keep it that way. It goes to. Oh, what was that? Okay, say something. Uh, hello. Okay, good. I have no idea what just happened, but it's all fine now. But yeah, no, keep yeah, it that o way. Oberyn's death to the mountain is probably as good of a highlight to leave the series off. Oh my name. god, I stopped watching then too because, like, I was so heartbroken over the hot bisexual profuse man. sadness. Oh my god, I could not deal. I was like the hot bisexual man who i had dreams about like i worshipped him and then just Popped watching like a fucking zit. <laughs> like a grape <laughs> yeah no that was deeply traumatizing and i'm not sure if i've recovered yet from that so so let's talk about some since we are already talking about critiquing the left what are your pet peeves with the left oh god all right okay you can just you can t step away if you'd like to use the restroom or maybe take a hot shower because <laughs> I've got this, okay? Okay, all right. I've got... Oh, I'm here for it. Listen. Okay, I'm here for so, it too. Point number one. Sensitivity is not a virtue. It's not. Sensitivity, that is to say, being easily offended, does not make you a better person. It does not make anyone a better person. It does not make the world a better place. There is a certain degree of callousness, of, of joviality, of irreverence, which is unquestionably a virtue. To be able to deal with the hard truths of life and take them on the shoulder with, with, a, with a certain degree of, um, uh, um, you know, with a positive attitude, frankly. There are some people to whom they conflate sensitivity with virtue, that the more keenly tuned they are to society's problems and the more aggressive they are in calling them out, then the more sincerely they care. I don't believe this. This is a lie. I don't believe this for a moment. There are many people out there, and I'm mostly talking about Twitter, who, um, uh, whose interest in leftism is, is relegated almost exclusively to a, a, a vehicle through which they can push their own personal brand of moral superiority. Does that sound like when right-wingers call left-wingers uh, uh, virtue signalers? Yes! Because yeah. I believe they're right, frankly. Yeah. There are so many people on the left for whom... It, advocacy? Nope. Good practice? Nope. Convincing people? Nope. Doing anything positive in the world? Nope. But uh, hmm, showing up in other people's mentions and uh, correcting them on some terminology, then telling them, yikes, you need to do some reading. Yep. Big. Yep. That's a, what we're here for. It's about accruing social capital is what it is. It, you know, it's about accruing social currency. You know, I, I love Angela Nagel's point in her book, Kill All Normies, uh, which has come under some criticism. But I, she makes a great point in Kill All Normies where she says that virtue has become currency on Twitter. And as a result, we dunk on people. We destroy people. We're constantly looking for someone's inner demons so as to call it out and accrue virtue at the expense of that other person and i'm just done with that i'm so 
fucking done. Because here's the thing, none of us get out alive. None of us get out of that system, out of that social currency alive, because we're all fuck-ups, and it creates a, a system where we have to be dishonest about ourselves and who we are. I don't want to pretend to be a good person when I'm not necessarily always a good person. Like, I don't want to pretend to be a decent human being when sometimes I'm not, sometimes I haven't been, and I want to be able to be human and honest about those things without having, and, and not having to hide those things. I think the world yeah. would just be such a better place. Does that make unquestionably. sense? No, yeah. un unquestionably. And I agree perfectly. And I think any, even a cursory look at my stream, I recently, I recently put up a video on black conservatives. It was in response to I was a watching Vice that video. this morning. Yeah. Yep. And it, and two minutes into the video, the first thing I say is that I love yelling at black people because I still have pent up energy from being a libcock for, for getting upset that I couldn't criticize black people with bad takes because I didn't want to speak over POC voices. So it was a joke, a coarse one, obviously. But, and then five minutes into the video, I'm arguing with my girlfriend over whether or not I'm being <laughs> weird about black people's lips. Now, this I is, remember now, this that. Is, I was watching that, yeah. all very coarse, obviously, and it made a lot of people uncomfortable. But fine. I'm not interested in promoting myself as some, like, supremely moral person. And if anything, I think one of the most immoral things you can do is to pose yourself as this unfallible paragon of virtue, but to do nothing with it. So to all of the people out there, whose contributions to the world are simply existing in some state of, of ivory tower moral superiority because you're constantly correcting other people's terminology or telling people they need to read up or being super sympathetic to other disadvantaged people in a way that doesn't actually require you to do anything. You just have to say it. To those people, I would say, put your money where your mouth is. Do something. Make a YouTube video. Uh, make Start a meme war. Uh, go do some praxis and like take over a Facebook uh, uh, conservative group page and turn it into like a gay pride um, <laughs> uh, anthem. Do some, just do something yeah. because I'm sick. They, they, every time I look at these people when they criticize me, not to say I don't get valid criticisms. That's a daily thing. But often I look at the people who criticize me and I take a look at what their sort of profile is about. How do they present themselves to the world? And it's exclusively about maintaining the facade, the facsimile of the most hyper-sensitive, most achingly orthodox, lefty little bitch baby imaginable. And we get nothing. These people do nothing. The world isn't made a better place for this. Right. And I know I'm, and oh my God, I know I'm going to get so much heat for having you on the show. But here's the thing. Here's why I have you on. Who's the one talking to the Nazis? Who's the one actually converting them? Who's the one actually compelling the Nazis who are wittable to come to the left? Who's the one actually doing that? It's you. And I every day I get like an email or a message yeah. or several being like, hey, I used to be on like, the, I guess they call it the pipeline, but I saw you and I saw messages on the, the, the bread tube subreddit or post like, hey, I just got into the left from Vosh. I don't do this. This isn't a, a braggadocious thing for me. Um, this isn't like I, I don't have any e-cred that I'm trying to inflate. I the, my goal, I guess, from the onset when I made this was if I can if I can literally just convince one person, I'll have undone my like carbon weight in the world. You know, yeah. I will have that. That is my that is me replicating myself. Yeah. But I've done so hundreds or even thousands of times over. Now. I agree. And I. And I and I, I I mean if and I would ask any of my detractors then if what I do is unnecessary if what I do is coarse and cheapens discourse and doesn't represent the left well why does it work and if you want to create a better alternative someone who does what I do but does it without many of my edgy eccentricities please do God we need it.
please. Here's what I'm taking out of this, and, and what I've been thinking about a lot lately, is we need a multiplicity of reactions. We need a multiplicity of methods in how we attack this issue. And there's a place for someone like me who's, you know, pretty even-keeled and very measured and, and pretty subdued almost to a fault. And, and then there are people like you. Who, who aren't who at are, all. Who are rage machines and, and who <laughs> can just... I'm being very calm for this discussion, I, to, to my credit. Yeah, you are. You're being very, being very calm. Boy. You're being a very, very good boy. Yeah, and then there are people like you who are just hilarious rage machines and who have this wit that I do not have but he, but there are different methods that are needed and and so before when when I see people kind of dunk on people like you or Chapo Trap House or you know you that right. that, that that far left dirt bag ish um I just want to tell people to look at the stakes, look at the world we live in right now, and realize that we need this kind of discourse, and, and we can't be complaining about it. This, I mean, I think we all need to remember that people will always gravitate towards comfort. Very, very, There are very few, there are very few people with the moral fortitude to recognize they're doing something wrong, even though that wrong thing feels good. Even yeah. though that wrong thing could continue to feel good with no negative outcomes for the rest of their life, at least not negative outcomes for them, and then to change it. Very few people can do that. Now, people should do that. I mean, that's why we have vegans, right? A lot of vegans recognize the fundamental immorality of the animal abuses committed by the meat farming industry. And then we have me, who does but is not a vegan, because the comfort of eating food and dairy, super, I mean, meat and dairy supersedes my moral. I am weak, you see. But so are other people. Yeah. And if you are a kid, an edgy teenage libertarian, as I once was, yep, me idolized too. Ron Paul. Um, <laughs> me too. <laughs> it felt good. It felt good. And you know what? If I was courted by two different groups of people, and one of them, the first one, is a fascist, they wouldn't tell me that, of course. They would say they're a you know, left-leaning centrist or a you know, classical liberal or something. But they would come at me and they would say like, hey, you, you know, this cool. Remember all those times something in your world and shit? Remember when Tyrone slept with, with Sansa, that chick you were crushing on? There's a lot of problems going on in the world right now. You're perfect the way you are, as long as you're white and a man. But, listen, the world's fucked up. And hey, listen, come with me. I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you what's wrong with the world. You won't have to change anything about your behavior. You won't have to be nice. You won't have to be morally consistent. You won't have to be ethical. You won't have to be intelligent. All you have to do is hate who we tell you to. Yes. And then, on the left-leaning side, we have, hey, so there are a lot of problems with the world, like like what that other guy said, um, but actually, as it turns out, the problems are with you, or at least with people who look like you and act like you. So you're going to need to change a lot about your behavior. We're going to need to teach you about institutional racism and sexism, and um, we need to actually, God, man, fuck, we're going to need to scrap this whole thing. You'll basically be a completely different person in five years if you follow us, but it'll be better, not for you, but for like black people and women. Now, these are obviously very uncharitable and hyperbolic representations of how these people are courted. But I think this is how it feels. Yeah, it is 100% how it feels because that's how it felt to me. Yeah. Yeah, and 100%. And that's, and that's, that's how it felt to me. We're not putting our be best foot forward. 
and not even slightly. Yeah, yeah. So we'll just go right into maybe the the more awkward part of the conversation. I'm uh, right. I love awkward. <laughs> yeah, I know you do. So as probably some viewers will point out, uh, you have been accused of some sexual misconduct. Now, I have my thoughts on this and I will share them in a moment, but go ahead and go ahead and address that. Yeah. So the gist of it, and I'm glad you brought this up. Um, be, uh, because it seems to it seems to follow me, which I think it should, but I, I wish the discourse surrounding it was a little bit more productive. So essentially, uh, about a year and a half ago on Discord, uh, I had a friendship online with a girl. I didn't have a public platform at this time. We were just two randos. But we were friends for a couple of months, and it was a, a mutually, I would say, toxic relationship in that we were both fairly mentally unwell. But for the most part, the conversation was something we both perpetuated. And then when it ended, because we got into a big argument, uh, the person with whom I had spoken uh, accused me of having sexually harassed her. And at first I thought like, no, I fucking didn't. What the fuck are you talking about? Um, yeah. And and there was a big hubbubaloo about it back then. Um, but it kind of petered out until a few months ago, at which point it came up again, except this time in a much bigger context. Because I'm a public figure now, so obviously. the uh, uh, so And I looked over the vlogs again. And I looked over it and I was like, wait, yeah, this is kind of fun. <laughs> wait, okay, wait, hold on. It, it was you looked over very... looked over the logs of your conversations with this girl. Right, right, yes. yes. Oh yeah. Very yikesy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm a very prideful person. It should not take much viewing of my content for a person to recognize that. It is difficult for me to admit fault. But that was unquestionably bad behavior. Um, so I so I, I wanted to be so I made a video on it on the drama, like in regards to recent drama on my channel. And I think I addressed the sort of central points and okay so that happened and that was bad and i think we all do a fair number of bad things i think what was worse at least in the immediate sense was that i reacted initially very like pridefully to the accusations mm. and as you probably know, when I somebody says something I think is fucking stupid, I don't just politely disagree with them. So I dug, <laughs> I dug myself into something of a hole. But the the broader gist of it, though, is that I see the the uh, allegations. I, I what's the term for substantiated allegations? Accusations? I, I, I see know. this drama brought up fairly frequently in online circles, as I think it should. I would never exempt myself from criticism. I think it frustrates me. There are a lot of people who say things that are, like, kind of untrue. Like, they call me, like, a rapist or whatever, which is unfortunate, but it happens. I guess it'd be sort of pretentious of me to assume that I would be, like, the one online person over whom there was no hyperbolization concerning allegations of sexual uh, uh, or sexually inappropriate behavior. But yeah, I guess if I if I had one thing to say about it, like, in a specific sense, it would be, like, just feel free to criticize me. I'm totally okay with that. But please don't do so in, like, this really weird, like, punitive way. Because there are a lot of people I've seen who are, who are, like, arguing whether or not I should be allowed to have a public platform. I already have one. It's not going away. Yeah. So maybe argue for like the thing I could do, or maybe I should like do a thing, like something to be, be productive, please, because there are so right. many conversations that are rooted in outrage and nothing else. Yeah. So here are my thoughts on this. You are so you've been accused of these things and I recommend everyone go check out your video on the subject because I watched that video and I was personally satisfied because you expressed grief over what what you realized was actually unacceptable creepy behavior you called it such you real you said it was creepy you said that you 
we're sorry that you are committing to doing better. And, um, and I believe you. You know, I, I have no reason not to believe you. And none of this is to say that there isn't maybe deep hurt or harm from victims of, of this stuff. That it isn't to say this at all. But here's the thing. I can personally hold rehabilitative justice with acknowledging how much stuff like this hurts people. And so I know that a lot of people listening to this will hear me will hear me favor one or the other and it is not that is not the case at all you know i think that you vosh probably fucked up and you admitted that you fucked up and you've and you have a have a said that you're going to do better and i'm great with that i'm i'm here for that because my we, only oh sorry because you know here's the thing we all fuck up none of us would get out of this thing alive i've done shit i'm deeply ashamed of you know, I uh, yeah, no, no. Yeah, yeah. Because that's because that I think that was the real like turn point. Like when I looked over the logs that I that I had typed out like two years ago or whatever, I guess the main conceit wasn't just, oh, this was bad because it was um, the main conceit was like, if this was bad and I didn't know it, what else have I done that's shitty? You know, right. right. Um, and yeah. I think like I don't I don't think I have any like like hidden terrorist attacks that that, have, that are going to come out in the near like anything that i've supplanted in my memory or any nonsense like that but but i i think that i suppose i'm thankful for the humbling experience but it's not really about me the only i there's it's very difficult for me to speak on this subject and i'll just be frank because i have to strike a very fine line between expressing i think just frustration at people who just lie about it online yes. to expressing like 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 regret over my behavior which is sincere while also maintaining the kind of irreverent edge that I yeah so because that's that's not an act I am that person <laughs> it's, it's just who you are it's very difficult for me to maintain I hope I'm doing my best but the the only thing that I would say like in the at the end of the day is probably in its simplest form you should never just take my word at what took place because I'm obviously a biased party the logs are linked underneath the video the chat logs if you want to look at that if you're so inclined they're mostly pretty boring um but overall if you have a problem with me or my behavior i ask of you and this is very sincere okay email me uh, uh, at voshvidia at gmail.com and let me know your problems and let me know if there's something i can do that would make you feel like better or, or that you think would in some way improve the situation yeah. please because because i because not all these are going to be good I, I know somebody's going to message saying like delete your account so not everyone's going to have the best idea <laughs> but i'm but i'm here for it i'm not antagonistic uh, uh, when it comes to this subject I, I just wish i could have good convos about it you know and this whole thing is representing something that i think is actually really interesting i think this is like a a cultural a, a microcosm of a cultural moment or a larger zeitgeist in our culture which is a lot of us a lot of us make enormous mistakes sexually like a lot of us do and by mistakes i mean bordering on abuse and or Big time, yeah. if not outright abuse we live in a culture of abuse in such a way that you know it's it's what people are always going on about in regards to rape culture it, it in that you know we live in a culture where we take advantage of others we watch people take advantage of others and on television and books and movies and it's it's absorbed and we're becoming more aware of it and none of us are exempt 
like this touches all of us. I, I think what you're going through is this weird microcosm of what a lot of people are going through of realizing, oh shit, that thing I did five years ago or 10 years ago was not okay. And maybe realizing it for the first time and coming to terms with you probably hurt someone. And how do we deal with that? And I think that you're dealing it, dealing with it the best way you know how. And what I want to point out is to my listeners who might be tempted to point an accusing finger, I, I just want to encourage a little bit of introspection because we it all, is at this point. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Well, just because we all live in this culture, you know, we we all live in these we all swim in these waters. And and yeah, I, um, you know, sex is the sex is like the intersection of a thousand really strange social hangups that we have. I mean, I don't even necessarily disagree with Andrea Dworkin's perspective that all sex between men and women is rape because women are um, comp- are, are so socially raised to be deferential and, and submissive towards men in many cases. Mm. So the consent can never really be taken for granted. Now, obviously, mm. treating every instance of heterosexual sex at, like rape would be impractical. But, um, but I, I think there's a lot to be said from that take that we have to recognize that in a broader social sense, the the underpinnings of sexual violence are not just people being bad or like horny or, or shitty or sexist or whatever. It's actually the root of a billion really complicated little uh, micro conceptions that are difficult to pull apart, even with decades of, of, of experience and, and for, like hindsight to look over. And I want to, and, and there's one specific thing, and I think I have to be edgy and irreverent again. We are very <laughs> fixated on sexual abuse um, as this shorthand for a person being bad. Maybe, and I'm speaking right now from the privileged position of somebody who has never been the victim of sexual abuse. I want to make that very clear from the upfront. Sexual abuse is bad, obviously. The only reason, by the way, I say that is the virtue signal. Call me out on it, okay? Obviously, I think it's bad. I'm not a fucking idiot. But, <laughs> yes. More. More importantly, um, and we see this in regards to like the the Harvey, the Weinstein, or we see this in regards to the Kavanaugh, very often our impugnment of a person's moral character hinges very strongly on this on this weird assertion that sexual misconduct is magnitudes worse than 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 any other form. So I would go so far, for example, to say that you know Sargon of Akkad, I'm sure the oh yeah UKIP. I would go so far as to say that the social harm that's caused by his videos, the rhetoric he's disseminated, the so on and so forth that he's done, is probably worse than I, I'm gonna make. I'm gonna make up a number: a thousand, ten thousand individual acts of sexual assault. Mm. Yeah, I'll, I'll defend that claim any day. He's normalized like the pipeline from skepti- skepticism to fascism in like five years. He's probably brought on tens of thousands of people who will then themselves become reactionaries, abusers, and other otherwise pieces of shit, I would say that's massively worse. But I guarantee you, if a scandal came out about him having, say, raped somebody, he would be thrown in much hotter shit than he ever would be for all of the political advocacy he's done. And it's strange to me, and I don't know, and I'm being sincere when I say I don't know, I don't know if this is a product of, like, old world sexual values where we still think there's something weird and impunable and, like, special about sex, or or if it has something to do with the left sensitivity to sexual assault because so many, 
because it's a very gendered problem. I genuinely don't know, but it's really it's really weird to me how it just seems like an inconsistency. And I don't know if we go too far in one respect or not far enough in the other. Right. If so, that makes any so, sense. That was very much rambling. Yeah, I think it does. So basically what you're saying is, yes, sexual abuse is bad. Sexual abuse is wrong and it does cause abuse. But we we can disproportionately focus on it on the left and and tolerate other forms of of wrongdoing like disseminating mass propaganda out to millions of kids who will then churn into sexual predators or turn yeah into... i thought i've thought of a very good way of, of of disseminating my point in a much more sociologically consistent way it's it's observed in prison populations that that very often the reason why pedophiles when admitted into the prison system um are are assaulted and and, and beaten and, and murdered and other horrid things is because there is nothing in our society looked down upon more than somebody who sexually abuses a child so all the people in there themselves rapists murderers thieves in many cases especially those who join these hardcore prison gangs that engage in the violence they can feel better about themselves engaging in violence against this one person who is beneath them right. and i feel like and this is this reminds me of the rights obsession with pizzagate the podesta emails and such the idea that like there's this grand conspiracy of like child rapists in the government mm -hmm. um and they focus on this and they moralize about it really hard they really care about this it's sincere i don't think they're lying but it's I think a, a facade, a, 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 a bit of a smoke bomb thrown to the ground because they, their moral fixation on this is a way of excusing, oh, who cares uh, what values I hold in other respects? It doesn't matter if I'm wrong on this, this and this, because I am the group of people trying to fight against child rape. And everyone who disagrees with me must implicitly be in favor of it. So an hmm. inconsistent attitude towards moralization and moral standards seems to me to be a gateway towards a lot of bad thought. I would just be interested in seeing people be a little bit more critical of why they think the things they do. So what steps are you taking to do better? In regards to my personal uh, behavior? Yeah. I'm on. I'm in fucking flirt jail, okay? Um, the, the, <laughs> the, listen, there are a ton of people. My community is fucking full of horny as fuck trans girls okay i think it's probably because i'm one of the most aggressively pro-trans people um, <laughs> in the uh, uh like in the lefty sphere yes. i mean you obviously like hundreds of but i'm very aggressive about it um and they're and they're all they're all up in my dms i'm in fucking i'm in flirt jail okay um i'm not now mind you while there is obviously a power dynamic between uh between like a, a, a fan and um, and a content creator, unquestionably. I'm not of the opinion that it's impossible to engage in any kind of relation between those two things um, without it being abusive. I think that there needs to be a greater care towards responsibility. I think that saying that just all interaction between the two is outright bad is a very stupid moral shorthand, which doesn't really address the core issue. But with that being said, yeah, we've got we've got flirt jail. And if I ever if I ever did feel like in the future, I'm very I'm very slutty. Uh, so if I ever did feel like hooking up with a fan it would be like a, my partner and i talk with them with weeks beforehand to make sure they don't have any weird like um yeah uh what's that term parasocial relationship thing yeah. going on where yeah. they where they, it's like oh they really really like me and they want to like kill my girlfriend and become the next one or something like that <laughs> um i i don't want that so if it so i'm trying so in the shorthand i'm trying to be a lot more responsible with how i engage with other people uh not just as a content creator but also like individually because as time has gone on i've grown more cognizant of the extent to which many people are just and pardon my french not doing great in the fucking head mm, and yeah and and that includes me and it can 
go a long way towards circumventing or, or undermining the extent to which I believe an interaction is healthy or, or consensual or safe. Um, so I'm just trying to be a lot more critical, self-critical of those aspects. Sure. Yeah. And, you know, you seem really open to criticism. You seem really open to correction. And I respect that. And I am, too. And so if people are uncomfortable with me having Vosh on and and want to give me some perspective about why I did <laughs> why I made a mistake. Kill him, him get him. Let me know. Send me your angry emails and I'll read them. But, you know, Vosh so far. And, and, and also, here's the thing. I'm not opposed to like running you over with a truck if if you come out to actually have not improved at all. <laughs> like I'm I'm not opposed to to throwing you off a fucking cliff. <laughs> you you think you think you can just throw those words out at me? You think if I do, I want to die. Okay, I need you coming at me. All and right? that, you it, have that truck ready. And you know, and here's the thing: that's I I hear that and I respect that, and I I get that vibe from you that that you're trying to do better. And I'm not afraid of uh, saying, you know, I had this douchebag on my show. I thought I was right to, but I wasn't because he's a fucking monster. Like I'm not afraid of eventually saying that if I have to. Right now, I don't think I will because you've got my phone number. You could kill me with but a breath. I know the, the modern technology. You know about you know about phone bullets. They go right through the receiver. Okay, right. Yeah, through, right through I will. Ear. I will send. Uh, I'll, I'll just send a demon right through the phone to go strangle you, to go fuck you to death. Before, uh, oh please, God, absolutely. <laughs> I thought I was gonna die of like heart cancer with how I. Please, fucking God, let us. Like that, like that dildo demon in American Horror Story uh, in Hotel. The the dildo monster, the gummy gooey like covered in glue dildo monster who comes and literally rapes gay guys to death hmm I'm, I can't. I have never watched. Um, I have never watched that. But I think I may have read several you are, comics that were inspired specifically <laughs> by that. You are. You are not missing out, sir. But anyway, okay. All that to say, we got on a tangent. But bringing of it course, back, yeah. <laughs> bringing it back, I am not opposed to throwing you off a cliff and just denouncing the shit out of you if you turn out to have not improved, if you turn out to to have not grown. But at the same time, I believe that we all need a chance to grow and i think that we all fuck up in some way and i think you're growing and i think that's a good thing your your content is also great you're doing amazing work and also i'm not opposed to criticism if people want to email me tell me why i made a mistake i'm open to that i want to hear it here listen here's my here's my contemporary argument okay there are a lot of fucking hot girls guys and envies sliding in my dms who i ignore all right listen up don't let my ignoring them be in vain okay because they're really fucking hot I'm doing this. I'm doing this for you. I'm doing this for me. I'm doing this. For, I'm doing this for the world. Okay. I'm turning them the fuck away. So you better. All right. Listen up. It was really hard. Okay. Have some respect before. Before we. Before we. Before we. Because because I can sense um things pointing down somewhat. And yes. We have but a finite length of time. Can I can I sort of give my mission statement in all of this? Please do. If I may. Please do. Um, I am, I think, in a lot of respects, kind of a strange person. And I don't mean that as a, as a point of virtue. There is, in some respect, a, a, a virtue to normalcy. But there are certain things that I do that I think I do very well. Um, there are not many rhetoricians on the left who are like me. There are not very many people on the left who can engage with arguments immediately on the fly, who can keep their cool in front of Nazis, who can make other people angry. And that doesn't, I'm not like special. It's just a set of skills I developed while being more right-leaning that I have since taken into my lefty 
state. And I understand that my edgy irreverence is going to make me unappealing to many, and I'm totally okay with that. Because my goal isn't to satisfy you. My, because you're already left. You're fine. My goal, <laughs> and that's why I ban sectarianism in my server, and I don't argue with leftists. I don't care what happens after you become, go to the left. As long as you don't turn into some weird class reductionist tanky, I'm totally cool with whatever you do after you go left. Yeah. I care about the people in the middle. Those are the people. I, I pick them up with my shovel, and I send them to you so you can turn them into better leftists. I just want to make them stop being fucking fascists. And, yeah, so and, you send them to me to become, you know, hand-wringing, milk-toast liberals. Yeah, absolutely, with very, very nice voices, by the way. And that's all I care about. All I care about is fighting fascism in that way. I'll, I'll argue with anyone, I'll do anything, and I'll argue in next to anyone. If Lauren Southern decided to stop being a literal white nationalist, and like a year from now came back like, hey, I'm on the left now, gay rights, I don't give a fuck if she's grifting i'll work with her because every single person that i can convert using her is another person who can't vote trump another person who can't run out in the streets and fascist rallies another person who can't fucking talk under cnn news article comment sections talking about how gay people are gross there are, i just don't care about anything else that's all i care about and if you want to criticize me feel free to do so but if you're going to get rid of me make sure there's somebody to replace me absolutely yes that final point exactly because, you know, in for threat of beating a dead horse, who else is converting Nazis? And like, yeah, you're a bit irreverent. You're a bit edgy. You're a bit over the top. And not, I am not like you at all. I have a totally different style. But I'm not the one converting Nazis. You know, I'm not the one pulling people off the cliff of white nationalism and reactionary politics. And and so I just look at the times we're in. I look at the stakes and I think that people like you are necessary. So I really enjoy your work um, for people who want to check you out. Where can they find you? Yeah. Um, well, first of all, I got to say, I enjoyed speaking with you tremendously. And even through even through my phone, tinny six dollar phone earbuds, you have <laughs> such a sonorous voice. So thank oh, you. Oh, well, that's very sweet of you. You do, too. You have a great I, voice. Thank you. I, uh, I have a website, actually, where I've consolidated everything. It's my last bunker in case YouTube gets me too. OK, it's my final front. Um, but it's it's Vosh.gg. So V-A-U-S page.gg and everything else can be found from there and 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 yeah i, I stream like probably like five or six days a week so I, yep. I guess i can hope i see my folks in my chat sometime non-stop if ever you want to see ben shapiro or or oh who's that who's that piece of shit who goes to college prove me wrong uh, steven crowder steven crowder fucking hate steven uh, yeah he's like your arch nemesis i i fucking hate that guy too actually just while recording this uh or just before recording this one of my friends on the right was like so so do you like any right-wing creators do you i was like oh, well i have a friend who, who's kind of on the right and he's a youtuber and i was just like i'm a fan of his i like him because i know him i know he's a good guy but then he was like but do you like stephen crowder i'm like uh no no i i'm not joking and i can and i can make this very openly i think that stephen crowder and sargon of Akkad are two of the most dangerous or have done some of the most harm i put them well above ben shapiro i agree i put them above pretty much any right-leaning demagogue those two are horrific human beings i 100 agree yeah and actually for listeners who are interested uh to to hear more about these people i did a whole uh podcast interview with professor ben burgess author of uh logic or no uh 
give them an argument, logic for the left, uh, where he, he he addresses a lot of the arguments coming from these figures. So if you want to actually be equipped with arguments for the left instead of just resort to disgust, um, then please check out Ben Burgess's work. All right. Well, so Vosh, this has been a lot of fun. I've really enjoyed it. Maybe we can do this again. I'd be delighted. I've had an enormous amount of fun. I'm so very glad. All right. Well, that is it for this show. The music, as usual, is by The Jelly Rocks and Eleventy Seven. You can find their music on iTunes and Spotify, wherever you listen to music. Also, be sure to go check out our other shows on the Rock Candy Podcast Network. We have Eleventy Life. We have Bible Bash. We have Bubble and Squeak. We have more shows coming on uh, in the near future, so keep an eye out for that. Also, if you want to support this show, please go write a nice five-star review on iTunes. It really helps our digital overlords uh, pay attention to me and raise me up in in the mire so that other listeners can find I'm me. I'm doing it right now. Oh, that's so sweet of you. Uh, <laughs> that's the best. Um, so definitely go give me five stars. You can share it with your friends. And if you are financially able, please go support me on Patreon. I'm an impoverished millennial. I am working myself to death. I already work full-time and I do this show. So uh, every little bit really, really helps. So, all right. Well, with that, thanks so much for listening and we'll catch you next week. Peace.
Cause I want 